Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Afternoon, morning. How are you going? Good, thanks. Yourself? Uh, it's it's time. We have the new laptop. It is myself and JJ here. We finally have the new laptop. So this is the first one coming out on the fresh stage two setup. And look, it's going to be a fun one today. We're going to jump into the round eight NRL preview. So going to go through all of the games. Last round, five from eight. So not too bad. Still very consistent over the course of the season. And I did the round seven NRL power review podcast already. If you want to go back and listen to that, I've given my thoughts on all the action from the weekend. And if you want to keep up with not just a sports report, the best way to do that is on Instagram at not just a sports report or to follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on on English. I thought this laptop was going to fix my English. I feel better. Speaking a bit better, we'll see. Watch this space. Now, last night I attended the Warriors game to support my team, 70 to 10. I'll get into that a little bit later, but yeah, I've had to do the big lift today. Feels like I've been through a divorce or something after last night. It was an enjoyable night nonetheless, but yeah, pretty grim at the same time. Now, the Warriors have picked up Dejan Arcee from the Cowboys as well. I believe that's a loan deal. So I'm interested to see what the go with that is. He's an incredibly talented player, so hopefully that works out well. But it's not about the Warriors just yet. First, it is time to jump in to our Thursday night game. The ninth-placed Broncos, still definitely in the hunt for a spot in the finals, up against the fourth-placed Sharks, who look absolutely destined to play finals football themselves this year. And they're pushing for a top-four spot sitting in fourth right now, and they are playing like a top four side as well. For the Broncos, they had a win on Friday night up against an understrength Bulldogs outfit, whilst the Sharks, well, they demolished Manly in the space of the first half. See for Talakai, it was one of the all-time individual performances, and Manly just had no answer for what the Sharks were throwing at them. So Craig Fitzgibbon, one thing that he's known for is defense, but they're showing a new element of attack. Cronulla look amazing offensively, and they're going to learn and get a lot better defensively as well. Broncos' definite danger game. I actually think they are a massive chance of displacing the Sharks here. And looking at the Broncos' lineup, they have the same 17. So Tamare Martin, after his inspirational comeback, he has retained the fullback jersey. For the Sharks, Dale Finucane is back. That is a massive inclusion. Sharks will get a huge boost from that. Cameron McInnes drops to the bench with Braden Trindle dropping to the reserves, which isn't a bad thing because if Hines or Moylan go down, then Trindle's the next man in unless they want to go in the Metcalf direction. But it looks likely that Trindle is that next kind of second string 5'8 or halfback. So I think it's good to let him drop down. Instead of playing a few minutes off the bench, let him play a full game in New South Wales Cup. He did that for the Newtown Jets a couple of weeks ago, 
and had a really, really quality game. And it just helps him to build on what he's already doing and continue to develop so that when he's called upon, he is ready to go. So I like that. I think Trindle will go well in New South Wales Cup this weekend. And as I said, the Broncos, a potential danger side for the Sharks. I think this one at Suncorp is going to be a really interesting clash. I cannot wait to tune in for it. In terms of my key battle, I have Sefer Talakai up against Katoni Staggs. No doubt everyone's going to be talking about that leading up to the game. And there are New South Wales spots up for grabs. Katoni Staggs, he looks like he wants to get a centre spot. I think Stephen Crichton is probably the first choice to step in. Someone like Matt Burton is a chance as well. But no doubt, really big game for Katoni Staggs. Up against Sefer Talakai, who he was part of the emerging blue squad, so Freddie Fittler already had his eye on him. And now Talakai is just playing unreal football. He is right in calculations for a New South Wales Blues position. So the head-to-head centre battle is going to be very exciting on Thursday night. Talakai up against Staggs, both with different skill sets. Katoni probably faster, definitely faster, and has things that he could throw at Talakai that maybe opposition centres haven't thrown at him yet. But for Katoni Staggs, I mean, Talakai up against the Seagulls was just a scary prospect. Like, if Katoni doesn't bring his A game, which has happened a few times throughout this season, then Talakai and Mulitalo could have a field day. So this one on Thursday night is going to be a great way to set the tone for round eight. And continuing on, Craig Fitzgibbon era. Yeah, things are just kicking on very, very quickly in the Craig Fitzgibbon era. Uh, I thought it would take a little bit more time, but they're just, they've hit their straps early and I think they can continue to build. So as I said on the NRL Power podcast, I've jumped on the Sharks bandwagon. I actually predicted them to finish ninth, which JJ, he was very surprised with, uh, but we'll talk to that in a sec. JJ clued on a little bit to how good the Sharks could be. A bit quicker than I did. I thought it would take some time. But the Craig Fitzgibbon era, well and truly underway. A great battle here as well. The halfbacks, Nico Hines up against Adam Reynolds. Both new marquee signings for their clubs. Both have been captains now. Nico Hines was captain against the Seagulls. And that's going to be a great one. Adam Reynolds obviously has the experience advantage. But Nico Hines is playing as good as any player in the comp. So... That is going to be one to definitely keep an eye on. And my point of difference, if Brisbane are to win this, Payne Haas. He has been the key to so much of their success. And the next step to them getting into the eight is to build on the platform that he's laying for everyone around him. So he is the point of difference. The Sharks, there's every chance they could have some trouble containing him. But Craig Fitzgibbon, as I've said before, very, very defensive-minded coach. I think he's going to have the perfect plan to be able to shut Payne Haas down. But a perfect plan and executing a perfect plan are two different things. So my prediction, I actually was very close to going Broncos, but I thought if I'm jumping on the Sharks bandwagon, why do I not go the Sharks right now? So I'm going to jump on the Sharks bandwagon. They have convinced me that they are a side worth getting around. So I'm going to take the Cronulla Sharks on Thursday up against the Brisbane Broncos in what I think could be a really, really intriguing game. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to play out, but can't wait to see how it goes down. Now, for someone who's already on the Sharks bandwagon, uh, JJ, mate, 
you, you, you love the Sharks. They've you, come you... on a little bit faster even than what I've thought. But I'll jump to the Broncos first, actually. I really liked what they've put up so far, especially at home. They're extremely exciting when they can um, get the momentum going, get the crowd on their side. And I think this will be a stern test for the Sharks for sure. But if they do pull it off, which I expect they will, I, th- I think they will be able to manage the game. I think Hines and Moylan and Braley as well have shown they can manage the game really well. So um, they're going to have to control the crowd pretty much. That's how I see it playing out. They're going to have to control that momentum, that energy of the crowd and sh- sh- um, quiet them early. Otherwise, you know, it could be any result for the Broncos. Broncos have already upset a few teams. So I'm going to take the Sharks, but it, it should be a ripper game. Definitely should be a ripper game. Yeah, I think Broncos could make it a tight one, but yeah, I agree. If they jump out to that fast start, the Sharks, like they did against Manly, then the Broncos could have all kinds of headaches on their hands. So we'll be covering that one on Thursday. I'll be jumping on the NRL Power. That's it. Haven't muddled too many lines either. Stage two, this new laptop is awesome. So both myself and JJ taking the Sharks in the first game of round eight. And next up, we've got the early Friday game. Excuse my note shuffling. Uh, That is the 12th place Titans on the Gold Coast hosting the first place Penrith Panthers. Panthers winning 36-6 over the Raiders on the weekend, whilst the Titans were pumped by the Cowboys. That was the Titans' third straight loss as well, so they are really starting to lose momentum, lose a bit of a handle on the positive things they were trying to build. They are a really, really exciting young club, but that hasn't translated to success early this season. Three consecutive losses, and they've lost four of their last five, have Gold Coast. As for the Panthers, they are 7-0, undefeated in 2022. 10 straight wins, 19 wins from their last 21 games. They are the reigning premiers. And other than the Storm, basically, right now, the Panthers are on another level. And maybe a side like the Eels could beat them. Or like there are a couple of sides that could beat them. But I don't know if the Titans... There are levels to this. And I think the Panthers are just on a totally different level to the Titans. I think I said that right. So Penrith, they're going to outclass Titans. I think but this is a huge test. Like it was for the Warriors and the Raiders on the weekend. It's like, how do you go up against the benchmark side? So for the Gold Coast, we are going to know a lot more about what they're capable of after this Penrith game. Now, looking at the teams, AJ Brimson, who I thought was going to be an awesome choice at 5'8", they have decided to move him to fullback. They're not going to persist with Jermaine Azarko, which I said from the start, like, maybe he could play on the wing. But yeah, Azarko at fullback, not the answer. Jaden Campbell still not out. Now they've gone Brimson, so that's interesting. I thought, uh, I don't know exactly what the go is with Jaden Campbell, so uh, we'll see how that develops. But I thought Campbell, fullback, Brimson, 5'8 could be the best choice. Maybe they're just not rushing Campbell back. So Will Smith is going to start at 5'8, which he did in round one and actually had an awesome game. And last round, we saw David Fafita playing in the centers. So. Maybe they'll toy with that again, but he's been named in the Ford pack. Philip Sammy returning, so that's kind of what leads David Fafita to return to the Fords. And Sonny Luke, who made his NRL debut after grinding for years, the Penrith Panthers junior, uh, he retains his spot on the bench. So 
He's going to get his second game in first grade. The Panthers sticking with the same 17. They got the job done over the Raiders. Now, Brian Toto is due back in round nine, which is next round. So now it is truly on. I think this is a really big game for both Charlie Staines and Taylor May. Because if you talk about who's in better form, it's Taylor May. But there's probably less disruption if you keep Staines out on the right and bring Toto back on the left. But Toto's played on the right before. You could move Taylor May to the right side, although his combination with Tago has been unreal. So I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on both Panthers wingers because with Brian Toto due back next round, well, there's only going to be a spot for one of them. So that is definitely a narrative. And another narrative is that the Titans season is beginning to slip away. They need to recapture all that promise that they've started to show. Justin Holbrook is an awesome coach and like I have faith that they can do it. But when it comes to any side against the Panthers, I don't know when I'm going to uh, go against the Panthers. Magic round against the Storm or their game against the Eels. Those are two contenders. But other than that, I know JJ mentioned, uh, mentioned the Sharks. But other than that, gee, it's really hard to see it happening. I don't think the Panthers are going to beat themselves. I'll say that much. They seem switched on every single game. Now, the key battle in this one is going to be Tino Fasumala'awe up against Isaiah Yo. If the Titans want to get that huge upset win, well, they're going to need big Tino to have a huge game. So Tino up against Isaiah Yo, who is right up the top of the Delium leaderboard in discussion for, you know, the game's best player, one of the game's premier forwards as well. So Tino, he is like this exciting emerging kind of poster boy in the lock forward position, whereas Isaiah Yo is like the pinnacle alongside Cameron Murray. Those two for mine are at the top of the game when you're talking for lock forwards. So Tino Fasumalawe, he is going to need to stand up Big time against a fierce Panthers pack. My X Factor, I have gone with David Fafita. He needs to be the game breaker that we know he can be. And Titans don't stand much of a chance if he doesn't come and apply himself in both attack and defense. He definitely can't do it alone. Everyone needs to lift. It's not just a case of throw it to David Fafita and he'll win the game for us. But he needs to stand up big time. He is a marquee player. That's what you need to be doing. He is the X-Factor player. That seems about right. That's where the Titans have him in their salary cap and kind of their visions of winning premierships in the future. So there's plenty of time for David Fafita to deliver. He still looked good, but if the Titans want to win this weekend, we need to see an X-Factor performance from David Fafita. As for the point of difference, which is something that I'm going to be getting into in each game as well, I have gone for the Panthers' left edge combination. The Titans, one of their weaknesses has been their defensive effort. They've had a lot of missed tackles, and that's what's lost them the majority of the games. I guess all of them, really. Defense is such a crucial part. Titans definitely lackluster in that area. If any side are going to know how to exploit that, it's the Panthers'. And look, we know the Titans are an exciting attacking team. But again, if there's any team that can shut that down, it is the Penrith Panthers. So when I look at that left edge, Jerome Luai, Viliame Kikau, Isaac Tago, and Taylan May, I see all kinds of carnage. I can see maybe two or three tries coming down that edge. 
Taylor May, Isaac Tago, maybe May gets a couple of tries. Jerome Luai is always a threat. Viliame Kikau is always a threat. And I think if this game's a bit closer than we expect, then my point of difference is going to be that left edge. I know Cleary is the X-Factor player, but look, in my opinion, the left edge, Jerome Luai, is a game-breaker in his own right. Viliame Kikau is a handful for defenses. And Tago and May, well, I can't remember off the top of my head the last time we saw two rookies, two rising stars, tearing it up like in a one combination. So very, very exciting times for the young Penrith players. And look, my prediction, this is an easy one. Um, I'm not going against the Panthers here. It's, it's not the right time. Hopefully the Gold Coast Titans can make it competitive. Hell, hopefully they can win. But I'm taking the Panthers. I just, I can't go any other way than the Panthers at this stage. JJ, I, I wouldn't imagine you're going to go the other way, although there have been times <laughs> you've surprised me with your picks. So. Nah, it's nearly impossible to go against the Panthers here. But I would say this is like an absolute asset test for the Titans. I don't expect them to win, but they need to put in a good performance and keep like the momentum their season going, or I just it could just fizzle out in an instant. Like if they get absolutely stomped in this game, which is a, a significant possibility, um, if they defend like they have this yeah. sort of times this season. Definite this, this possibility. Could be a, this could be a huge blowout, and it could just you know crush the momentum of the season. Will they make the eight after that? I don't know. There's plenty of time left in the season, of course, but. Yeah, it's more, it's less about the result and more about the performance for the Titans for me in this one because I, I can't see the Panthers going down. But there's always the possibility. There's always the possibility that Fafita just is like an absolute wrecking ball and we see some vulnerability of the Panthers, which we haven't seen yet. <laughs> so that's all I'll say. So yeah, that's the first time in a while we've both gone the same picks to start, both going Sharks, both going for the Panthers. And one thing I've loved about the Panthers has been their bench as well. Some unsung heroes like Scott Sorensen, Sonny Luke, who's on the bench this week, and Jamin Salmon, who I thought played really well on the weekend. He can cover centers, he can cover back row, middle forward, he can play in the halves. So Jamin Salmon, a bit of an underrated utility, played in the back row last weekend. And yeah, neither of us able to go past the Panthers in this one, but... We'll see whether we have the same pick in the next game, which leads us to our Friday night clash. And this one, potentially, we may have differing views because this is a really, really tricky one to predict. Friday night on the Central Coast, we have the 8th-placed Rabbitohs up against the 7th-placed Manly Seagulls. They've been accused of being flat-track bullies, that they can't beat the best sides. Rabbitohs, they were in the grand final last year, so you would count them as one of the best sides, but... At this point, are they right now? It's hard, hard to tell, but there is still a lot of season to go. There is a top eight spot on the line here. Seventh versus eight. You'd have to assume the loser drops out momentarily. But hey, if you drop out and then things begin to spiral, well, that, that's what makes this a very crucial one. It's a crucial game at a big juncture. Huge test for the Sea Eagles. In my opinion, they've had big games. They've already faced the Panthers, but this is the biggest game of Manly's season so far. Rabbitohs, well, they just were not good enough against the Tigers who lifted. The Tigers just wanted it more in the last round. Luke Brooks getting the field goal. And for the Seagulls, I talked about it earlier, they were destroyed in the first half by the Sharks, Cefetelikai specifically. And Manly looked a shell of what, what they have been at their best. So that was 
very concerning. Not quite the level of cause for concern out of mm. all the clubs. They did but, show signs in the second half there where they came a little bit back into it, but unfortunately the game was pretty much beyond them at that point. So they, Yeah, they just gave way too much up to start the game. But yeah, definitely they did show some signs to say there wasn't too much concern there. But I do look at their record now this year. They are 4-0 and against bottom eight sides, and they are 0-3 against top eight sides. The Rabbitohs are a top eight side. So, look, I think that kind of leans me toward the Rabbitohs. But Manly, they have it. This is the test. This is a top eight side. Are you flat track bullies? Well, the Rabbitohs, where do they stand? They can. I'll count it. I'll pay it. But they're definitely not at the level they were in 2021. Still a lot of time, but no Adam Reynolds. And at the moment, no Latrell Mitchell. So that definitely weakens them a bit. Their, their whole kind of depth and larger squad, bigger picture doesn't excite me a lot as well, but there could be some guys that maybe come on that don't really know. I don't really know. You know, there could be guys who come on in leaps and bounds or who have ability that I don't know about, but overall it's not like a very strong squad through the whole 30. Mm. Would you say the spotlight's more on the Rabbitohs here or the Sea Eagles? Because that's what I'm... Sea Eagles, no doubt. Okay. Sea Eagles, no doubt. There's The flat track bullies narrative has been there for a while now. Okay, yeah, that's true. And it it will only intensify. It'll massively intensify if the Sea Eagles lose against the Rabbitohs here. I definitely think. Mm, yeah. So, yeah it's, but it's, I, for me, I actually think... The the core, more cause for concern is the Rabbitohs because they're looking uh, a level below what they were last year. Most definitely, yeah. yeah. It's they're not in the same kind of contention that they were last season, which I guess people didn't expect them to be. But also, if they lose this weekend and drop out of the eight, there is no reason that they couldn't stay out of the eight if the teams below them continue to improve. So they lost to the Broncos to start the season, and yeah, mm. they can't afford too many slip-ups. My biggest concern is their lack of creativity and attack, I would say, and that's... I'm actually going to like preview my pick. I'm, I'm going to go for the Seagulls because I think they're just going to... Uh, DCA is going to be able to pick them apart with his kicking, which has shown that he, he's been very consistent with this year. And yeah, I just, I watched, I think it was round two or something when Luttrell was out or the first couple of rounds and they just lacked a bit of, um, a bit of like pep, a bit of, they couldn't get through whoever they're playing. It slips my mind right now, but um, yeah, it could be the Reynolds factor adjusting after that, but I'm going to take the Seagulls. You're going to take the Seagulls. Yeah. That's an interesting one. Well, like looking at the Seagulls team, they've taken Morgan Harper out where he was just outclassed up against C for Talakai. So Morgan Harper out, Tolatau Kola. He is into the centers, which he came on off the bench when Morgan Harper was hooked in that Sharks game. So look, Kola, he was my one to watch for the Seagulls in my season preview. He's a really exciting kid with a lot of pace. So that is a big in. Martin Tapao is also back. Sean Kepi. Uh, Andrew Davey, the back rower, he is sidelined. Bullimore will start, and Haumole Olakuatu is out. So that actually has swayed me a lot in my thinking. I think Haumole is a huge, huge loss for the Seagulls in what should be a really close game. And one of the other narratives is for a player who's not even played a game for the Seagulls yet this season, Josh Schuster, 
Reportedly, look, it's time his management want him to take that 5'8 position as they believe were promised to him. Kieran Foran off contract at the end of the season. So, look, I think this can be a pretty easy one. Foran can play 5'8 this season. He's still playing awesome. He is part of that manly DNA. And then, yeah, if Foran's off contract, there are plenty of sides who could do with Kieran Foran at the moment. I wouldn't even mind seeing him go back to the Bulldogs. I know he had such an injury-riddled stint there, but he could be a great halfback to have alongside someone like Matt Burton. So definitely a lot to think about. Clubs will no doubt be in the market for Kieran Foran, even if we see maybe an English Super League side come in with a really nice, hefty contract for a quality player, you know, give him a big payday toward the back end. So I think, look, this can be a pretty simple one. Josh Schuster does look... Like he is going to be an awesome long-term 5'8". Foran and DCE aren't the young Spratly Juniors they were when they won the 2011 Grand Final. Now they're experienced grizzled veterans and they know how to get it done. They have that awesome experience of game management and they just know how to win as a combination. But at some point you do have to think about what is to come. What are you trying to do in the long term, in the bigger picture Josh Schuster, you do not want to lose this kid. So I would say it's pretty simple. Karen Foran, there is going to be plenty of demand, I would expect. I could see a side like West Tigers going after him. So look, Karen Foran, I don't think will struggle to find a new home. That'll probably work out better for him. He'll be treated as like a big deal, I assume, unless he signs to a bigger club like the Storm or the Panthers or something. I guess maybe that's probably a bit of a different scenario but he may not be the marquee man but he'll definitely you know be treated with a lot of respect but Josh Schuster I know he hasn't played a game yet this season but I think play him in the back row this year when the opportunities allow throw him straight in the halves you know play him halfback play him 5-8 or play like foreign in the halfback English <laughs> slowly I did well how long I don't know before the English started failing me but yeah Schuster I think end of season, let Foran go somewhere else. Plenty of people want him. Schuster will be ready next year. That is my thought process, at least. Now, looking at the Rabbitohs side, Tane Milne is suspended. So Isaiah Tass is going to come in for his second game of his career. He scored on debut coming off the bench. So he's worked really hard, has Isaiah Tass, and he deserves a spot. So I'm keen to see how he goes. That'll be an interesting one. Obviously, the left center last week up against the Seagulls absolutely tore them a new one. So he'll take a bit of confidence from that. Uh, now, where am I on my notes? Yeah, Here we I'll are. jump in. So, jump yeah, in. Uh, four into the Bulldogs could be a great call. Or I was thinking Bulldogs, that, yeah. yeah. It just depends. The optics of it may not be the best because his first stint there didn't go to plan. And they, it could kind of blow up in their face if he goes back mm. and has injuries and things don't go to plan. But... I mean, who else is there right now that could really... Foran with Burton, I think Foran could definitely... Yeah, like get an experienced head mm. in with a younger guy who's still developing with immense talent. So yeah, it makes a lot mm. of sense. But uh, I'd say that if not this year, maybe they could do one more year where they give him one more chance if they think if they get really close. But yeah, the, the time's pretty much up for Foran at the, the, Eagle, the Sea Eagles, you'd say, but... We'll yeah, they gotta start. They gotta start playing Schuster, no doubt. But yeah, I think with Burton, one quick side note is if you look at the Cowboys who are sitting in fifth position, Chad Townsend, that signing alongside Tom Dearden, has been worth working perfectly. Like 
Someone like a Chad Townsend or a Karen Foran, a Mitchell Pierce, Aiden Caesar, Gareth Widdip, I even mentioned on the NRL Power podcast, potentially someone like a, uh, now I can't remember, mm, more uh, George Williams, sorry, okay. who was at the Raiders and then had the tumultuous exit, went back to the Super League, but he could be an option. But realistically, like Foran could be the go, sign him for one or two seasons, even if it's a one season deal like Matt Burton needs that experienced head like a Chad Townsend or someone who can help him open up his best possible game and the Bulldogs need you know experience that because you know the Bulldogs and the Tigers have somewhat been vortexes of bringing players down yeah we want to see them get on the right path yeah most definitely and look one thing I wrote in my notes this is the game for Manly I know you asked before who does this matter more for? And I think Manly. I really do think this is the biggest game for a long time for them. And it's a great chance for them to show that they can have a win-at-all-costs mentality. No Tom Trebojevic. You can really help alleviate a lot of that chat and a lot of that pressure now if you win without Trebojevic up against the top side. Last year's grand finalist. So, look, I think mad scientist Des Hasler, he's going to be trying to find a way... My key battle has been in the halves. Cody Walker and Lachlan Ilias, who look... Ilias is improving a lot, but the no Adam Reynolds narrative. Luttrell out last weekend between the halves for the Rabbitohs. They um, missed six tackles. So three tackles missed by each of them. Whereas we talked about before, Karen Foran and Daly Cherry have been such an established halves combination. DCE, DCE. JC, Jason Cherry Evans, whoever that guy is, uh, Daily Cherry Evans, his kicking game can definitely be a key. And Foran is just such a rock. He's manly through and through. His best football has always been in the Seagulls jersey. Uh, what else have I got? I got the point of difference. Keon Kolomatangi, the back rower for the Rabbitohs. He himself it could put himself in contention for that New South Wales Blues spot. I could see him taking Tyson Frizzell's position on the right edge so he is definitely a point of difference uh, wow we continue english english getting better english getting better uh x factor cameron murray 66 tackles last weekend he is the captain for the rabbitos and just he leads from the front he is the man such a dope player he is no doubt the x factor i think he's going to be something that could separate these two sides especially given schuster not playing and how Mole Alakawatu not playing. So, look, my prediction for the first time this podcast, myself and JJ going different ways. He's going to take the Seagulls. I'm going to take the Rabbitohs. I'm going to put this theory to the test, and I'm going to go against the Seagulls until they can beat a side in the top eight, and I will not be going for them. That's a lie. I could change that next week, but definitely the case here. I'm going to be taking the Rabbitohs. Seagulls need to prove to me that they can, at the very least, like Rabbitohs is a decent test because it's not the Panthers, Storm, or whatever. It's a very beatable proposition. And yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one, but I'm going to take the Rabbitohs. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you that they're beatable. And I'd almost say Manly by 12 plus. If, t- if Turbo was playing, I reckon they'd do it comfortably. I'm, I'm that confident. If Turbo is playing, yeah, I yeah. think it would be a different story. But Turbo out. And I don't know why. It's basically the top eight thing. I've, mm-hmm. I've finally bought into the narrative. I know that Des Hasler flies under the radar, but the Sharks game was a big test for me. I, was, I went the Seagulls in that one. 
And what they dished up was nowhere near good enough. Yeah, they had that second half where they looked a lot better. But the Rabbitohs are going to want this a lot. So are the Seagulls. We'll have to wait and see yeah. who, who wins this one. Coming off a loss of the Tigers, that's got to give you a kick up the arse. So we'll see how it plays out, I guess. All right. Up next, it is Super Saturday action. My two teams, my two favorite beloved teams. I don't know how Super this Saturday is going to be. At least one of them is going to win. But for my number one team, the Warriors... Uh, hopefully it's more of a Super Saturday than a Manic Monday because last night was something else. The Raiders, in their own right, have not been setting the world on fire. And as I've said in a few podcasts, but for any listeners, everyone knows I support the Warriors. Raiders are my second team. My dad is from Canberra, so always grew up watching the Raiders, supporting the Raiders, but I was born in New Zealand Grew up going to Warriors games, so I love both teams. Warriors a little bit more, but Raiders undoubtedly my second team. So, look, my whole life, you know, I could have maybe made my second team the Storm or the Roosters or the Panthers, but, yeah, like my whole life. Usually it's like if the Warriors are going really, really bad and then the Raiders are going really, really good, well, then I'll get my extra green machine on, you know, but... Yeah, no, neither going very good at all. Warriors 11th, Raiders 15th. This one taking place in Redcliffe. Now, uh, this is the cause for Concern Cup. If you listen to NRL Power, my other podcast that reviews each round, well, every week I'll release a cause for concern. Round 6, it was the Raiders. Round 7, the Warriors. So... The most concerning sides at the moment in the competition, and that is saying something. So, uh, yeah, as I said, like I have a connection to this game. At least one side is going to win. But Super Saturday, I don't know how Super this Saturday is going to be if these sides show up and show some of the performances that they have this season. Ugh, least someone wins. Yeah, this one a bit of a ugh kind of situation, but excited nonetheless. Someone is going to win. Uh, last weekend, 36-6, to the Raiders lost to the Panthers and the Warriors. This one will go down in history, 70-10. to I was there. Tragic scenes. Yeah, I mean, it, now I, didn't, I haven't gone back and watched the game. I did see highlights, and Edward Cosey, look, I'm not going to, Heap, heaps of shit on him because he's young and yeah we needed him out there and he came out and he played but oh the ball handling the fucking ball handling and no one is more disappointed than Ed himself so that is why I'm not going to heap too much pressure on but that was one of the worst performances I've seen in a long, long time. And that was a bad individual performance, especially... Uh, at least that wasn't our biggest loss ever. From memory, I remember we lost 66-0 to the Panthers. So, yeah, taking some positives out of that one. Storm, holy fuck. That says a lot about the Storm, too. They're going to do that to a few sides this year. But Warriors may take the cake. I don't know how many 70s they're going to notch up. Oh, 70. It really went from bad to worse, kind of out of nowhere. I felt so great at halftime, and then 
before I knew it, I was just like, oh my goodness. And all the storm tries were on the other side of the field. So I was like, I um, can't really see the game. It's just, you know, a lot of cheering. And I'd be like, oh no, no. And the scoreboard was right in my vision. And it ticked over pretty quickly. 50 was bad. 40 was bad. 50 was bad. 60 was worse. 70. I was like, holy fuck. I bought myself and my friend Jenna tickets. So that, what, like a 130, let's say. And then I would have spent maybe 150 on drinks. So nearly $300 to see my team get their pants pulled down. And all the tries scored on the other side of the field. So... Anzac Day, uh, look, I haven't said yet as well, full respect to the Anzacs, that was what the round was all about, uh, definitely paid my respects on Sunday morning, it's good, I can't, it wasn't Sunday, I can't remember, it was Monday, wasn't it, because I actually had to work, but it was at 1pm, which is good, because then morning, you pay the respects, lest we forget what the Anzacs have done, and in the most respectful term possible, like I have full respects, my grandparents were Anzacs so uh, at least on my Kiwi side my other grandparents are Polish but there's a connection to the Anzacs there so much respect and with the greatest respect I say lest we forget that Warriors performance because that was yeah on the grand scheme 70 to 10 and what the Anzacs went through game means nothing Uh, on the NRL scale though fucking owned the Warriors got owned in a monumental sense the Raiders they haven't had 70 put on them but they are also getting monumentally owned at the crunch times that matter in games so oh goodness me goodness me some changes Dallin Wateni's a Lesniak he is out we saw really nasty concussion Aaron Penne suspended Josh Curran our best player in my opinion out with a knee injury. Edward Kosey dropped. Fair, just give him some time. Fair enough. So not everyone's up to NRL level straight away. I'm not going to write him off, but definitely, definitely don't play him in round eight. Rocco Berry and Viliame Vilea coming on to the Warriors' wings. So hopefully they can have great games. And Jack Murchie and Katoa are going to be joining the bench. As for the Raiders, Elliot Whitehead will return to the side, replacing... The young debutant last round, Harry Rushton. Uh, Let me just switch my notes over. Now, the key battle in this one, I have got the battle of the props. Battle of the props. Joseph Tarpanay and Josh Papali'i up against Adam Fanua Blake and Matt Lodge. They both need to impose themselves. And that is going to be where the battle is won and lost, I think. It's going to be in the middle. All four of those guys are leaders. They are expected to lead the charge. So that is no doubt going to be a very fiery and very physical battle. As for the X Factor, I think about this from a Raiders perspective. Jack White, and he has to be unleashed here. I know firsthand as a Warriors fan, I watch them very closely every week. Jack Whiten, if they can lay the platform, he could cause us nightmares. He is the exact kind of player that could just absolutely fucking run a riot over the Warriors. So very worried about Jack Whiten. But what worries me less is how the Raiders haven't been able to get him going because they haven't been able to get going as a team. And it is very difficult for Jack Whiten to do anything when the guys around him at times are failing him. So 
everyone needs to step up. This X Factor isn't like Jack White needs to go and win the game. This is basically everyone else pull your weight to the maximum effect, allow Jack White to take this game on because he is someone who can win what could be a very tight game between sides in very poor form. Now, my point of difference, it's not one player, it's actually a position and it's players head to head. I've got Wade Egan and Tom Starling. Both of the hookers need to be great in defense and they're both point of differences in attack I think that's kind of just a major point of difference. Their service, how is their defense, what kind of attacking opportunities do they have? Because Tom Starling can be very exciting in attack, and so can Wade Egan. But at the same time, I said the big battle was going to be the middle forwards. Both these dummy halves are going to be in the middle having to tackle these big boppers. So that is a real point of difference there. Which of these dummy halves can thrive? They touch the ball more than any other player. So... Can they get their side in the position to win the game? And it's time to make my prediction. And after two weeks of going against the Warriors and being correct, it's time to jump back on the biased bandwagon. After the 70 to 10 drubbing, the ultimate kick in the ass. For me, it felt like a kick in the balls. Xavier Coates kicked me in the balls like four times, three times in 10 minutes. It, it, was, it was not... It's not good. I actually had an awesome time, but it was not good. And I'm going to take the Warriors. The Raiders are 15th. They haven't shown me a whole lot. They could absolutely beat the Warriors, no doubt. Cause for concern, Cup. Warriors are my team. So I'm going to take the New Zealand Warriors. Let's respond. We're 11th. Let's get back to it. 70 to 10. Forgotten. In defense of the Warriors, though, there was a very clear turning point in that game. Um, it was like a high and low moment when that kick came in from a sofa Solomona. Yeah, that happened, was awesome. Man. Enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. And then uh, the name escapes me right now, but the guy got absolutely knocked out cold. And after that point, it was all downhill. So I'm inclined to give Warriors a bit of a, a break. It is the storm. They are complete class. They're absolutely stacked. Um, as you said, they could probably do that to a lot of teams, maybe not 70, but you know, 50 plus, expect that a couple more times for sure. But even though the Warriors have been better on the whole this season, I do feel like this is a game, and I'm glad you mentioned Jack White, and I think he's just going to take it over. I think he's going to score multiple tries. I think he has to for, like, if if the Raiders are going to win, he has to take over the game, like you said. I also think that Hodgson has been a huge loss in, in whatever structure. 100%, for in, a while, yeah. In whatever structure, and I think that's what you kind of... Um, talking about like the the players around him need to step up or they haven't quite adjusted yet. Um, I'm, I'll watch quite closely this week because I'm quite interested in in that. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on the Raiders. Obviously, not a huge confidence, not with huge confidence. They're both causes for concern, as you've said. Um, but the Warriors just they've been so patchy. Seventy to ten. I can't. Yeah. I'm not gonna sit here and try and make yeah. a case for them. Yeah, they've been extremely patchy, and I think. It, that's going to take the wind out of their sails. It's just a huge drubbing like that going down to Melbourne and getting absolutely flogged. Um, so I think there's an opportunity there for, there for the Raiders and they absolutely have to take it. Otherwise, the Raiders' season is absolutely over. So, yeah. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I, I said I think the Raiders... A lot of young players, so it is a transition period and kind of going from where they were leaning so heavily on guys like Hodgson and that English brigade, uh, brigade George Williams no longer here... Ryan Sutton on his way out. And they're kind of going 
in a new direction, a lot of young players, Semi Valame, uh, Matt Tomoko, amongst others. So it is a bit of a transition period. So it's not like it's the end of the world for the Raiders, but they should not be sitting in 15th. So yeah, I tend to agree with you. They probably need it more. Mm. I'll take the Warriors. You're taking the Raiders. That'll be my game of the weekend. Can't wait to sit down and watch it until maybe I watch it. And then I'll be like, maybe I could have sat down to watch that. Because yeah, this season... There have been ups and downs. It's been a roller coaster. A few more downs than ups, but one of these sides is going to win. So, look, that is the Warriors and Raiders. We will jump on to the next game now, which now we are on the next Super Saturday. This could be a little bit more super, a bit of a David versus Goliath, and two sides that have a very long-standing rivalry. Okay, now for the Bulldogs up against the Roosters. Bulldogs in that familiar position of 16th place up against the 6th place Roosters. Now, Roosters are coming off that Anzac Day loss to the Dragons, 14-12, whilst an understrength Bulldogs side lost to the Brisbane Broncos for the second time this season. That is six straight losses for the Bulldogs. Not the direction they want to be heading in. And look, they have a lot of the signings, some more to come next year, but the base core of their squad is there. So to be six straight losses, sitting in last, if they finish last this year, look, I thought I thought that in the next couple of years, the Bulldogs are going to spring into some real genuine contenders. But there is potential for damage if they linger or down the bottom of the ladder for too long. So down in 16th, Kikau, Marnie, Ryan Sutton, yeah, they're huge inclusions, but uh, yeah, it's not wait. You don't want to finish last. Fifth, even fifteenth is okay. I did see that Josh Jackson, the captain, offered to take a pay cut, and the club said no. So yeah, Josh Jackson, what a leader, what a guy, taking it out of his own pocket potentially to help the club. That is a selfless leader. For the Roosters, they have had a shaky start to the season, but they're not panicking and they are in sixth position, still trying to work out exactly what the best balance for their team is going forward, and I expect them to be clicking at the right time of year. Looking at the teams for the Bulldogs, Brent Naden and Jake Averillo are back after missing the last game. Makes me wonder, where is Corey Allen? He hasn't been named at all. I didn't see him in the casualty ward. Is he injured? What's the go with Corey Allen? If anyone knows, let me know. And Arva, let me try and get this one right. Siu Mana Fungai. He is back for the Bulldogs on the bench. For the Roosters, Daniel Tupo. He has been suspended, so the winger is out with Kevin Nagama coming on to the left wing. He'll be partnered by Paul Momorowski at left centre. The Roosters, they're on another another? Another brov. Uh, another level. To the Bulldogs at this stage. And yeah, the Bulldogs have some unreal premium players. But the Roosters surely get this done. They're on another level. But, 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 but. Tevita Pangai Jr. We remember his game. I think it was for the Broncos. Where he absolutely terrorized Sam Walker. Now he's going to be going up against Sam Walker. No doubt they're going to be looking to send big guys like Tevita Pangai right at the small halves in Kerry and Walker. So there is a key for the Bulldogs to win this, but in my opinion, the Roosters are on a different level. And when the last time I said a side was on a different level, it was the Melbourne Storm and the Warriors, and that, that panned out badly. Holy shit. Now, 
The Bulldogs, they're a great side on paper, but yeah, I, I, they, the other level comment just comes into play. Another thing that does come into play, Kyle Flanagan at the Bulldogs trying to own that jersey. He owned that Roosters jersey for one season and they got rid of him. They shafted him. He is up against them here with something to prove up against Luke Carey and Sam Walker, the guy who they preferred. So the Bulldogs don't even know who they prefer at the moment. Kyle Flanagan, he needs to force their hand with another solid performance here this weekend. My key battle is going to be in the Fords. Like I said, for the Roosters, containing the likes of Tevita Pangai when they're trying to run riot over Carey and Walker, Roosters Fords need to stand up big time. And for the Bulldogs, that's what they need to do. They need to bring these superstar Roosters players out of their element, make them uncomfortable, make it a really physical game. Bulldogs need to impose themselves here. So the key battle is in the Fords. As for the X Factor, I've got a bit of an X Factor battle here. Matt Burton up against Sam Walker. Walker, as I said, plenty of pressure going to be on him. It's going to be the same case for Matt Burton. There can only be one winner in this game. So I think when it comes down to the clutch, there are two really two young superstars. Almost butchered that, kind of did. And they are going to be going head to head. So I think either of them could be the X Factor game breaker. Sam Walker the more likely because I think the Roosters are going to win. But if the Bulldogs are to win, I think Matt Burton will be a huge part of that. He is the future and what they are looking to build this club around. Now, the point of difference is going to be the back five. The Bulldogs, they're starting to click, but I just think the Roosters, they've been patchy on that left side at times, still trying to work out who their left center is. They seem to have settled on the right side with Joey Manu and Joseph Suwali, so... I think with Daniel Tupo out, Momorowski and Naguama are going to be trying to put their best foot forward. And I think their back five are going to click into full gear. So the Bulldogs back five really need to be up for it here. Otherwise, they could risk having a cricket score put on them. Now, time for the predictions. Looking at this one alongside JJ. I actually think the Bulldogs could be a chance. They're going to be really, really hungry for this win. And I think we will see them at least in the early stages of the game make it a really physical one. But ultimately, Roosters, they were my prediction pre-season to win the Premiership. If that is to be even close to the case, they need to get over a side like the Bulldogs, who are sitting 16th. It is going to be a closer game than I think the odds suggest. But in the end, there is potential as well for the Roosters to pile on a really big score. So intriguing one between two sides of the rivals. I'm taking Sydney Roosters, JJ. Which one are you going? Yeah, it's a stern test for the Bulldogs for sure. They're not looking in a good way right now. But uh, for some reason, I have a lot of patience with the Bulldogs. I can see where they're going. I think it's definitely gonna, yeah, um, they're going in, a, in the right direction. I think it's going to take at least a year. So if like Bulldogs fans can kind of hold out for at least a year, I think you're going to see some fruits possibly next year. Um, but yeah, this will be you know a bit of an insight. We'll, we'll get a bit of a window into where they're going. If it's a dismal performance, of course, there's going to be questions. Um, and the Dragons just beat the Roosters as well, so it's not like the Roosters are this unbeatable side. That's what I was thinking. They've definitely shown they've, they have vulnerabilities, but when I'm playing it out in my head, I don't see the Bulldogs getting up, so I'm going to go for the Roosters. But uh, as you say, I think it could be a little closer than everyone expects, possibly a bit low-scoring too. Okay, so both of us going Roosters. I think potentially maybe Roosters score... 
36, something like that, maybe even could in the 40s. Blowout. Yeah, yeah could it could be, be but this is a, this is a test mm-hmm. for the Bulldogs. Roosters haven't looked that crash hot at points as well, but neither of us willing to get on the Bulldogs at this stage. Both of us positive about the direction the club is heading in, though. Mm. Roosters have shown they can uh, handle the lower teams for sure. Yeah, Mm. yeah, most definitely. That's where the other level thing kind of came in earlier. Definitely the Bulldogs seem to not quite be at that level. And they've had a really tough draw, too. Mm. I just hope there's not too much scrutiny if they do get pumped. Um, As I said, I think they need a genuine, like, year or two, possibly. Takes time. Rome wasn't built in a day. (laughs) We know this. Not for the Bulldogs. So, yeah, definitely taking the Roosters in this one, though. Now, game of the round, Saturday night in Darwin. Uh, There's a couple of games that are really intriguing. Dragons and Tigers is one as well. But game of the round, I've gone the third-placed Eels up against the fifth-placed Cowboys. That is right. We are in round eight, and the Cowboys are sitting fifth. I don't know if anyone that wasn't a Cowboys fan expected or was thinking this was going to happen, so... Look, very, very impressed with the Cowboys. That what is that's what makes me excited about this game because I can envision the Eels winning the Premiership this season if everything goes their way. Now the left wing situation has been dire. They've had so many guys ruled out, but they're working around that well. They're in the top four, third place Eels, fifth place Cowboys. Eels coming off that thirty-nine to two drubbing of the Newcastle Knights, and that was in Newcastle as well. And the Cowboys, their second 4X derby win, they beat the Broncos earlier this year. They actually throttled the Broncos, and they throttled the Titans as well. So I think we can say at the moment, as it stands, the North Queensland Cowboys are Queensland's best side. So not a lot of people were expecting that, and they are really exceeding expectations. Look, it's not even round 10 yet, but... Cowboys fifth, they're building some level of consistency that cannot be ignored. They have been the surprise packets of the season, but this is their biggest test yet. The Darwin conditions are going to make it a tricky one. Maybe that will suit them more because the humidity will be more similar to Townsville than it would be Sydney. But ultimately, this is their biggest test. It's going to be trying conditions. They're going to get fatigued a lot quicker. And the Parramatta Eels, whilst they're prone to losing some games like this, when they're on, they are on. They are one of the top teams in the competition. So basically, if Cowboys lose, if it's competitive, they're not going to lose a lot of stock. Uh, if they win, then it's... At what point do we start saying, holy shit, let's get on board this Cowboys bandwagon? Because, yeah, not everyone's convinced. No one's fully convinced yet, I don't think, myself included. But... Paul Gallen isn't convinced. Paul Gallen was not convinced, yeah. But if, if maybe, they win this one, maybe a little bit more convinced. Definitely, much more convincing. That's why I think this is the game of the round. Cowboys, who have been the most surprising team, exceeding expectations kind of on a more consistent level than teams like the Knights, who started really well, or teams like the Tigers have been going well in the last couple of weeks. So Cowboys... I had them in 15th preseason, and at this point, there's no way they're going to finish there. So really impressed with them. The key battle in this game for me is the spine. Looking at the fullbacks, you have Scott Drinkwater up against Clint Gutherson. In the halves, Jake Arthur and Mitch Moses up against Tom Dearden and Chad Townsend. Jake Arthur, the son of Brad Arthur, 
they did the switch last round. I couldn't believe it, but yeah, I had saw, heard that kind of Dylan Brown has trained in the centers at times, but they've deployed Brown in the centers maybe to help alleviate their injury troubles. And Brad Arthur probably know he must know, like his son must be fucking pretty good. His son must be pretty good. So he's come into the 5'8 position and that is a battle in itself within the spine, the halves going up against each other and the dummy halves, Reed Marnie up against Reese Robson. Now, same 17 for both teams. As I mentioned though, Dylan Brown switching to the centers, Jake Arthur into the halves. Eels genuine contenders got into that before. When is it safe to get around North Queensland? I said that as well. When do we start getting around North Queensland? I think this could be it. If they win this and they're around the top four come round 10, and then as we ease into the halfway point of the competition and origin and everything, well, at least I know, like if I was a Cowboys fan, I would be loving it. Right now, I'm thinking of that guy who had the LED sunglasses, go Cowboys. He would be fucking tearing it up on the weekends, out in the club, going home after a big Saturday night game, changing. No, that is that. I take that back. I retract that. He would not go home. He would go straight from Queensland Country Bank Stadium, full Cowboys gear, LED sunnies on, and he would hit the pub. Fucking go Cowboys. Wowee. I think I'm, I'm starting... I don't know. I don't believe yet, but that's what makes this the game of the round. Because Let's just see where they're at after Origin. That's all yeah. I'll say. I haven't got myself a pair of the uh, LED sunnies yet. There's still a lot of season to play. But when? That's the question. How, how much more is it going to take? A bit more. They're definitely not there yet, but this is the biggest test of their season. Uh, and as far as my prediction... I'm going to go the Parramatta Eels. So, as I said, I'm not fully convinced with the Cowboys yet. LED Sunnies not in full effect quite yet. But I'm just about ready to believe in the Cowboys. So I'll be watching this with a keen interest. I would say I'm actually going to be cheering on the Cowboys. I would prefer to see the Cowboys win this one. I like their squad. Good young squad. A lot of potential Queensland origin bolters whether it's this year or in the next couple. And yeah, I like the Cowboys, but I'm going to be taking the Eels. They are sitting third. And they they looked amazing against the Knights, even though we missed that game until the final eight minutes. Mm. But the scoreline looked amazing. The highlights looked amazing. I've seen enough from the Eels to be convinced. I haven't quite seen enough, although I can't ask for much more than what I've seen from the Cowboys Taking the Parramatta Eels, so JJ, where do you stand on this one? Yeah, the Eels are like legitimate premiership contenders, so that's what sets them apart, I would say. But in this specific game, I think the conditions are going to be absolutely huge. Um, if the Cowboys can kind of hold out the first maybe 20, 25 minutes, not give up t- too many tries, I think they're going to be able to pull it out. But if the Eels get a jump on them and just like run away with it, like score a few tries... I think that's where they're going to run into a bit of an issue. But if they do make it through that 20 minutes, I think the fatigue's going to play into it. I think Eels are a pacey team. Um, so That's yeah. a big important thing in the modern game. It's yeah. played... The high-level top teams play at a really fast rate. I saw that at the Storm Warriors game. I saw the best example of that. Mm. 
just how fast the game is being played and somewhere like Darwin would probably I'd imagine be a dry track mm. uh, that that could be a major thing yeah just yeah the humidity as you said the 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 fact that there could be a lot of drop balls too it could be one of those games where mm. the, especially with a team like the Cowboys where there are a lot of handling errors mm. and things like that due to the humidity true but I think yeah I think they're slightly more adapted I'm just I can never believe in the eels until I until I fully see it. And yeah. I know they're I know they're prone to having these slip up games. And if it if it wasn't in Darwin, I would definitely take the eels. So I'd say that. Uh, if it was in Queensland, though, yeah, I probably would go the Cowboys. So yeah, it's pretty much down to the conditions for me. I, I think the eels are better, but the Cowboys might just pit them in this game. You're gonna go. So you're gonna go Cowboys. Yeah, I'm gonna go Cowboys. Gonna go Cowboys. Yeah, because I want to I want to ride it and like yeah. I don't want to ride the Eels. I want to ride the Cowboys. So I, like it. It. Yeah. I like it. I like it. All right. So myself taking Parramatta, JJ taking the North Queensland Cowboys, LED sunglasses in full effect, uh, at least for this weekend. So yeah, watch this space on the Cowboys game of the round. But that's not the only one. There are two more left. Two absolutely superb games. The first, a bit of a like, uh in terms of what could happen. But the second, the last game of the round, really, really exciting. But let's get to the first on Sunday, the 14th place Knights hosting the second place Storm. 70 to 10 from the Storm. I was there. I kind of wish I wasn't. Xavier Coates, four tries, establishing himself as one of the first choice wing options for the Queensland Maroons come origin time. And, oh man, like, yeah, the Warriors, like, certain players gave up and it was really bad, but that just showed you exactly how good the Storm are. There were some question marks. I wasn't sure going into the season exactly how strong their depth was in terms of the Fords, but it's all there. It's everything they need is there to make a premiership push. Cameron Munster and Harry Grant, talking about Xavier Coates, definitely going to be in the origin setup. Well, Cameron Munster for sure. Harry Grant, definitely the first choice option, but Ben Hunt and Reid Marnie will be pushing him as well. You've got the Ford leaders at the Storm, guys like the Bromwich brothers, Dolphins bound next year. Same goes for Felice Kafusi, who's been a real leader at the club. They lost Dale Finucan. They're going to lose the Roosters bound, Hectic Cheese, Brandon Smith. So they are losing some of these leaders, but... Ultimately, they've still got them there this season, and they've got a great crop of young Fords coming below them as well. So, yeah. So, so, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerome Hughes. That is the next one. He has been incredible. Turned himself into an absolute 10 out of 10 elite fullback. And, yeah, it just shows you what the Storm system can do. And Jerome Hughes, one of my favorite players in the NRL, as is Ryan Pappenhausen. Incredible in only seven rounds of my NRL Power podcast. Three of those rounds, Ryan Pappenhausen has claimed my X-Factor player of the round, best player of the whole round, three times. He is the favorite for the Delium, in my opinion. If he stays fit, I would look at putting your money on Ryan Pappenhausen. Now, he has had concussion issues. Maybe he doesn't play the full season. They have got Nick Meany as backup, but right now... As it stands, I know he's competing with a lot of players, but Ryan Pappenhausen, Delhi M medal favourite, in my opinion. He's got to be the New South Wales 14. If Tedesco is the captain, 
He's the fullback. You must find a place for Pappenhausen. If a spot opens up through injury on the wing or in the centers, fuck it. Play him there. You have to find a way to get this guy in the side. I think number 14 could be the best option. That's how he kind of emerged at, at the Melbourne Storm. And he killed it to the point where he just had to play fullback. Jerome Hughes, they shifted him to halfback. Brody Croft, the one missing out. That turned out to be an absolute masterstroke. And Ryan Pappenhausen could not be doing more to earn himself a New South Wales origin debut. As for the Knights, that 39-2 loss to the Eels. That was their fifth straight loss up against the Storm this weekend. You would have to say, looking down the barrel of six straight losses, that in any season, if you want to be playing finals, which they have in each season when Adam O'Brien has been the coach, six straight losses in any season, especially early, is a really, really bad way to set the tone for a finals push. In terms of the changes, Seamus Sasangi comes into the centers for, that's a bit of a tongue twister, uh, for Dane Gagai, who has been sidelined, I think, with a facial fracture. And for the Storm Tone, Wishart has been named on the bench. He was named on the bench last week, but dropped out. So I'm interested to see whether he does play this weekend. Last week, he played for the Sunshine Coast Falcons. And whilst he's been playing some dummy half off the bench for the Storm, he played at halfback for the Falcons. Now, number 18, Chris Lewis. He actually filled in in the centers last week when I think it was Remus Smith that went off. I was there last night, but I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it was Remus Smith. Chris Lewis went into the centers. He's 18th man. I would not be surprised if we see him come onto the bench come game day. A uh, couple of narratives. Ponga, five years. He signed the five-year deal. That is their premiership window. In this five years, look, probably not this year, but they have to build a side. Like, come year three, there needs to be a real vision of like, okay, between year three and year five, there is a premiership here. Even if it's like, okay, this premiership is not going to come till year five or maybe even year six, like right toward the end. But they have to start building around him. They've committed the five years. That does entice other players to stay. But right now, you know, they're just... Nothing is clicking for the Knights. Ponga, he's the marquee player and he's awesome, but the Knights are not being a marquee team and it is not awesome. And it is affecting Callan's game. It's it's not getting him into the game, which in effect is, yeah, it's not helping anyone. So they need to sort that out as quickly as possible. One way to do that in round 11, do they bring Anthony Milford straight into the halves? I think maybe we see Adam Clune drop out. I can see Clifford either moving to halfback or throw Milford in at halfback. But Milford, he could be that answer. That ha- may be the thing you have to do. Just go for the full-on gamble. If they lose too many more in a row, then I think we're definitely going to see Anthony Milford come into the game. And imagine if Milford and Ponga start clicking. Well, then the Knights could be a real threat. So interesting because on the flip side, imagine if Milford and Ponga don't click, things could go from bad to worse. So Knights, are they in danger after the Storm 70-10 to result? Or are they a danger side at home, fired up with the big home crowd advantage? They've beaten Melbourne here before. They have been kind of a tricky side at times for Melbourne to work out. Melbourne's showed how fucking awesome they are. So yeah, it's almost impossible to go against them here. But 
Knights could be a danger side. This one is one where I'm like, I'm wary of. Because Storm are $1.10, I'm not going to jump on it. And just having a look. It could be a danger, but it, when your most impactful player probably of the whole season is out, that's a big red flag for me. What do you, what do you think? Has Gagai been the most impactful? Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. Like, Pong is probably that X factor, but Gagai definitely has made a difference. And they're already quite short, thin in the back line. So now Seamus Asangi comes in. He's played center before, but he's also played in the halves in the lower ranks, played a bit of fullback. And he played a bit of lock forward in New South Wales Cup at the start of this season. He was putting up good numbers, so I did think we'll see him in the NRL. But Gagai definitely, he, he was a mad player for them to start the season so he'll be a huge loss and the storm i think they're going to throw a lot of traffic at sima sasangi i think cameron monster is going to be going his way a lot you've got justin olam as his direct opponent so i think we're going to see justin olam running plenty at his opposite center that frees up nick meany on the wing who he actually started his career at the newcastle knights so it should be an interesting game. But yeah, Gagai is a massive, massive loss. Although last year when Gagai played for the Rabbitohs, the Storm, Josh Adokar scored six tries on him. So defensively, maybe he wouldn't have made that much of a difference. But then it is kind of scary when you consider the Knights 39-2. to Their form line has just been shocking. Five straight losses. And all of a sudden, you run into this red-hot storm side. You're missing a guy like Dane Gagai. And overall, there there are a few concerns around the depth. Jaden Braley out for the season, so you're missing him as well. He's a crucial part of the puzzle. Dane Gagai as well. Bradman Best, who, if the Knights were going really well, he is right in contention to play for the Blues this year. But now, with the way the Knights are going and with the way he's kind of been going... There are too many guys in front of him, I think. Mm. I, was, I was seeing just last week how Kosey got absolutely terror, like, terrorized was, by yeah. like just the storm going there multiple times, probably like five or six tries down that mm. side. So, Well, Adam O'Brien, he's a former storm assistant coach. They okay. spent a lot of time in the storm system, okay. so I'm sure he will understand. But they've since he's left, he left to the Roosters. He's been at the Knights a couple of years. You look through that side, Xavier Coates wasn't there when he was coaching. Nick Meaney, Remus Smith, uh, amongst plenty of other names in that side. And it's one thing to have that experience. He at least knows what Melbourne are about mm. on a pretty deep level. He knows what Craig Bellamy's kind of style is. But the Storm are always evolving as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the Storm in this one. Yeah, it's hard to go against the Storm. It is hard to go against the Storm. I mean, after what I saw last night, uh, yeah, I I can't go against the Storm. I think this will be closer. I mean, it's definitely going to be closer, 70 to 10. It's not going to be like 80 to 10. I was going to say they'll come back down to earth, Mm. but I think it's still going to be pretty convincing. They might start slow. They're either going to come out Mm. and they're going to blitz the Knights early and put a hell of a lot of pressure on them. But I can see the Storm kind of not clicking at the start and Knights being able to drag them into a contest. But then it's hard because as soon as I say the word clicking, I think about Pappenhausen, mm. Munster, Hughes, Harry Grant, Brandon Smith, and the way they all combine. And you only need like 
so many weapons. two or three of those guys to click so many to weapons. just totally the guys you have on the wings and in the centers mm-hmm. and the fords just all around yeah i think melbourne are just going to be too strong there are levels to it as i always say so melbourne storm are on a totally different level especially after last night and newcastle knights five straight losses it's not a light switch you can't just flick form on and off they can't just go from 39 to 2 up against the 70 and 10 side and turn that around just like that like they need to put the pieces in place for the foundations to get a big win but Mm. the foundations are not there the foundation is five straight losses storm if they are even five percent of what they were against the warriors they will win this game with the greatest respect to the Knights as well. But there is hope for the Knights fans if they can. Yeah, it's always about the momentum. I'm not going to bet on this or include this in any multis because like, yeah. I cannot say with 100% confidence that the Knights will lose. I, I think there's every chance they're going to fire up. It's just in terms of predictions, yeah. how could you go... Anyone but the Storm. Even I saw someone, uh, it was either NRL Roast or maybe Rugby League Guru. I can't remember the exact page, but they posted if it were the Panthers and Storm facing this round specifically, who would you go? And it's like, yeah, like, because I'm not going, I haven't gone against the Panthers yet. I don't know when I'm going to. But this is one of those games where it's like, no matter how much I think the Knights are going to fire up and they're going to be miles better, it could be their best performance hopefully mm-hmm. in the last six weeks but no matter what no matter what way it stacks up it's just like how could you go against the storm after last last night oh my gosh it's, it was my team nights fans like i'm not trying to be like you guys are shit my team got flogged 70 to 10 and after that i the storm they just slapped me in the face it, they fucking woke me up. They were like, wake up to yourself. You had the Warriors coming in fifth preseason. It was a big slap in the face, and it was like, holy shit, the Storm are amazing. Mm. Yeah, for the Storm, it's just they keep reaching greater and greater heights. It's like they lose one incredible player or three incredible players, and they find They're doing five it again. Yeah, They're doing it again. It's, it's insane. So, it Storm is for sure. Amazing, yeah. So yeah, both of us going for the Storm, and that leads us to our last game. This is another game of the round, in my opinion. The 10th place Dragons up against the 13th place Tigers. Two straight for both, and this is a crucial game for both the Dragons and Tigers. The momentum is going to be on the winner's side. They will get to start to push for a final spot, which for the Tigers especially would be wild. Fucking absolutely wild. Whoever wins this, three straight wins. All of a sudden, positive signs after both of these sides have been my cause for concern throughout the first seven rounds. So now one of these sides can well and truly start to push themselves away from that cause for concern and they can start to dream of finals footy. It's still very young in the season. There's time for anything to happen. So both fans should be really excited about this game because after some hard times early, now, all of a sudden, you know, things could be turning around. So, crucial game for the Tigers. They're two wins, both by one point. They beat the Eels with a Jackson Hastings field goal. 
And then they beat the Rabbitohs last weekend with a Luke Brooks field goal. Those are two premier sides. Rabbitohs in the grand final last year. Eels, myself and JJ have both said that we think they are genuine contenders. Although that is one of those kind of games that they tend to lose. But that does not take anything away from the Tigers. Those are two top tier sides or at least very close to the top tier. So good signs for the Tigers. For the Dragons, they beat the Knights. And then on Anzac Day, they stepped up big time and beat the Roosters. Biggest win of the Dragons season so far. Checking out the teams for the Tigers. Dane Laurie, the fullback for the Tigers, out for four to six weeks. So we see Stafford Toa. He has been named at fullback. Pretty handy at fullback. I think he'll actually go all right there. For the Dragons, Jack Bird has been named. I thought he was injured, so maybe we see him get pulled, but maybe he's passed a fitness test and he's good to go. We will see. Maybe they do that later in the week. So I'm expecting Jack Bird to drop out, but he has been named. If he does drop out, Talatau Amone in the number 14 would be most likely to kind of step straight into the number 6 jersey or at least 5'8 position. But Jaden Sullivan hasn't played an NRL game this year. He is also in number 24, named in the 24 jersey. So maybe Anthony Griffin playing his cards close to his chest and he brings out Jaden Sullivan in the halves this weekend. We'll have to wait and see on Sunday which way he goes. Looking at the changes as well, George Burgess starting in the front row for the Dragons. Bit of an interesting redemption there for him, not from his court case or whatever fucking illegal alleged activity he was up to recently, but uh, just because he, he nearly had to retire from injury, his Wigan Warriors stint in the Super League just it didn't go the way he would have hoped. Somehow he managed to work himself back to the NRL on an incentive-based deal at the Dragons, and you'd have to say, he's, at the moment, he's ticking some boxes. Now he's starting in the front row, so he's obviously doing the right things around training and during the games. So George Burgess starting, Josh Maguire into the second row, Jaden Sewer is out for about four weeks. My key battle in this one, it is the halfbacks, one of JJ's all-time favorites, Ben Hunt, up against Jackson Hastings, a redemption story of his own, told that no NRL club would ever want him, went to the Super League, absolutely killed it to the point where a club had to want him, and the Tigers, a shrewd signing. This was one amongst a lot of fucking ridiculous decisions like five captains. That was a decision that I got behind fully. I was like, Jackson Hastings, awesome signing for the Tigers. My X factor in this, I really like the look of the Dragon centers. I know that strike center battles well and truly back in vogue in the modern game. And look, the centers has been a mess for the Tigers. James Roberts on his day awesome, but several times this year he has dropped out before kickoff. So maybe not at 100%. Maybe that's why we're not seeing him at his full potential. Luke Garner, a back rower, has spent a lot of time in the centers because they've had Asu Kapoa out and Tommy Talao. So they let Reese Hoffman go to the Bulldogs. They've got a young kid called Junior Tupo, who he um, is a rugby union kid. Apparently, a lot of people wanted to sign him, so he's supposed to be good. Haven't seen him yet. Oliver Gildart came over from the Wigan Warriors in the Super League, but the Tigers' centres at the moment, no one's really talking about them. Whereas the Dragons, Moses Suli came over from the Sea Eagles. They could probably use him at the moment. He has potential to get 
much, much better as the season goes on and as he learns his combinations in that dragon side. So I think Moses Suli, if he's up against James Roberts, I don't know if we'll see. He's been named, but maybe they pull him out. Or I actually don't know if he was named. I think he was named. I should know this. I should have this in the notes. But I think Moses Suli is going to tear it up. And on the other side, Zach Lomax is another strike center, kicking the goals as well. So I think out wide on those edges as well, I think that's where the Dragons might just be able to edge out the Tigers. Tigers going really well. It's just still hard for me to predict them. I don't think I have yet this season, unfortunately. I nearly did when they played the Warriors. But going into the season, they were my pick to come last. So I'd never really envisioned them winning a lot of games early in the season. But if they win this, and I always maintain that I hope they succeed, I hope they prove me wrong. And if they win this, well, then I can start to consider backing these guys in. David Nofaluma killing it at the moment. Jackson Hastings has made such a big difference since he's come back in and combined with Luke Brooks. Dane Laurie out is untimely. That kind of shakes up your spine. But look, i got to make a prediction. So with not a huge deal of confidence, I'm going to go the Dragons. I think the Tigers can definitely win this one. And this is, other than the Cowboys-Eels, this is another one where I am really keen to sit down and watch it play out. But I'm going to take the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Going back to my preseason preview where, look, in my preseason, I said Warriors would come fifth. I said Sharks would come ninth. So let's keep that uh, on board. But in the preseason, I had Tigers last. I had Dragons in 11th. So if it stays true to that kind of form, then I'm going to take the Dragons in this one to kind of just level up to that. I thought that they would kind of just be that little bit above. So I don't want to write the Tigers off totally. I'm giving them every chance to win this one because I 100% think they can. But in terms of my prediction, trying to get back to another perfect week after getting a couple a few weeks ago. And just I'm at the second, I'm one behind on the tipping competition that I'm in. So I want to keep the tips as consistent, as close to a success as possible. So that is why I'm going the Dragons, but not a great deal of confidence in this one, JJ. Yeah, it's hard to get behind the Tigers when you're tipping sometimes, but it should be a river clash. They're both coming off some big wins. Um, Yeah, the mood around the Tigers has changed all of a sudden in just two weeks, so it's great. But for mine, the Dragons have built more of a solid foundation over this season. Um you know, when we look at the cold hard facts, like obviously they were they were two big scalps, the eels and the rabbitos. But as we kind of alluded to, eels can sometimes lose these games. Rabbitos, we don't know if they're at where they were last year. So yeah, and they only won by a combined total of two points, like over the two games. So yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's yeah. definitely exciting, but it's definitely not like. There doesn't seem to be enough of a foundation there for me to want to jump on the Tigers bandwagon just yet. But if they do win this game, this would be a huge scalp because I'm pretty high on the Dragons overall. I don't know if they're quite premiership contenders, but I'm really liking what I'm seeing overall, especially, you know, Ben Hunt in the halves. and Ben Hunt, he, he's living up to that million dollar price tag. He's definitely worth it. And I think this will be a game where the halves will, will dictate a lot of it. We've seen Luke Brooks kind of come into a little bit of form over the past couple of weeks. So, 
yeah, I think the halves are going to have a huge impact on this game. But for me, I can't go the Tigers just yet. I'm going to ride the Dragons. Um, yeah, Dragons, but it should be a close contest. I imagine it being a close contest. Could be a one-point could be, could be, again. Yeah. Maybe that plays into the Tigers' hands. Three one-point wins in a row. That, yeah, that could no. be a new. That could be a stat. So um, we'll see how it plays out. And, I, and for our sake, I hope it's a good, good game to watch, and I think it will be. So we'll see how it plays out. So yeah, both of us taking the Dragons. That was the last game of the round as well. So last game in the round, round eight. This the first podcast on the new laptop that we worked for. We manifested it. We have it. I hope you enjoyed the new podcast because that has been it. That is the round eight preview. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you enjoy the tips and you're winning some bets or just, you know, getting some good insight from it, well, do not forget to follow us on Instagram at not just a sports report and follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on because do not forget this Sunday or Monday, I will be dropping the NRL Power podcast. And that will be a wrap of all the action from the weekend. So we'll get to come back, talk about, I'll be accountable for some of the things that I've said during this podcast. And we'll go back and some of the things, the speculations and hypotheticals and everything. Well, we'll have a lot more hindsight to work with. So NRL Power podcast coming up this weekend. This has been the NRL Round 8 preview live with Mick and JJ on the new motherfucking laptop. The new laptop. Fly like a bird, like an eagle. It's cr- it's crisp. It's, it's crisp. It's huge. Big. Yeah. We played, there was music on it before and it's fucking the bass yeah. is oh. incredible. For laptop speakers, it's great. So, yeah. So, con- content. Con- will- especially if you saw what the old laptop was. Yeah. The old laptop was especially bad. It was not even a one out of ten. Like, it was maybe a zero out of ten. It was... It was one quarter away from not even having a screen. It was one quarter away from the, the end. Yeah, so, the end, the literal end. So, yeah. <laughs> so stage two. We're happy, yeah. We're very happy about this new laptop. New beginning and, yeah, a new beginning. But we must come to an end of this Round 8 podcast. So, look, enjoy the footy this weekend. And until the NRL Power podcast, from myself and JJ, take care of yourselves. 